Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Allentown's Sermon Podcast. As we approach God's Word, let's take a prayerful breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. Listen to God's Word this day. Good morning. My name is Bruce Gunn. I'm an elder currently serving on session. Now please join me in our unison prayer for illumination. Faithful God, speak to us now the word we need to hear. Open our hearts and minds so that we can not only hear that word, but also live it. Amen. We turn now to God's word this morning. Our first scripture reading is from the Gospel of Matthew in the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 12. Now let us listen to God's word. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And now for the book of Revelation, reading from the seventh chapter, verses 9 through 17. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God. And they worship him this day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good God, loving God, the promise you make to us is so audacious, sometimes we just overlook it. That when we open your scriptures, even when these human words are said, somehow your holy word will be said 
one that may be unique to each one of us, but still you speak. And so we pray you would speak once again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There is a question in the PCUSA study catechism, which Carrie and I often use when we were teaching confirmation at our old church. It was, off, it was a question that often made those confirmands chuckle. And I have to confess, it always would make me chuckle too to think that those writing the question would have included it. The question is, will heaven be a boring place? Maybe it's a question you can relate to, even chuckle at. Maybe you have, always, have wondered at some time, what can we possibly do in heaven that will compare to an Eagles Super Bowl game or a Taylor Swift concert or a walk along the beach, especially if we have it to ourselves? Won't heaven be a boring place? It was easier to chuckle before someone pointed out to me that it's really a question that's only the privileged would ask. Think about it. Do you think anyone who is worried about how they will feed their children will find an existence where there is no more hunger boring? Do you think anyone who is drinking water that literally makes them sick would find a dimension where there is no more thirst boring? Do you think any youth facing bullying or any widow or widower crying themselves to sleep after their spouse's sudden death or any parent in Israel or Gaza or Ukraine bearing their children killed in the crossfire would find a realm where there are no more tears boring? I think we can safely say no no and no, nor do I think the readers of this strange letter called the Revelation to John or simply Revelation would find the picture here in chapter 7 that Bruce just read boring. Who were these first readers and hearers of Revelation 7? Well, ba based on the evidence in the rest of this book, as well as from ancient documents, these early disciples were probably Christians living in what was then Asia Minor, what we now called Turkey, near the end of the first century during the reign of a Roman emperor who was particularly cruel, Domitian. It was a tumultuous time of wars and famine for everyone. But for Christians, it was even worse. In the words of one biblical scholar, these Christians were considered to be adherents of a suspect group which met for cultic practices now publicly, but in the privacy of homes, a sect that was widely suspected of being unpatriotic, not loyal to the emperor, a group about which wild stories were told after all. Didn't they not speak of eating flesh and drinking blood? And was not their leader crucified by the Roman authorities as a common criminal? As a result, these Christians faced persecution, beatings, and even death. Imagine then how this vision sounded to those Christians, a vision where there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing in the presence of God, a vision of people who were led by the Lamb, their shepherd, to springs of the water of life, and who will have God wipe away every tear from their eyes. Boring? 
That's not a word that exists in the vocabulary of the people of Revelation 7. No, in light of all that they have faced and gone through, when they experience such a heaven, they will sing with great joy, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. That is what the vision of Revelation 7 meant for the people living back then. But how does it speak to us now? To jump ahead these 20 centuries, it helps to recognize three things that we often get wrong about the book of Revelation. <clears throat> Excuse me. First, like the rest of the Bible, John's audience was those living at the time it was written. Not for us now. In other words, Revelation is not intended to be a coded guidebook to the end of history as we know it which can only be understood somehow in light of modern events, as some Christians have claimed, and indeed sold bestsellers claiming it. No, Revelation is a letter written to first century Christians going through persecution. While we find that apocalyptic imagery of Revelation very strange, even troubling, it was not so strange to them. Scholars can find similar kinds of literature with these revelatory visions in other ancient texts outside the Bible. To be sure, as with the rest of the Bible, this passage has relevance for us. But its relevance is best understood when we first understand that first century context. Second, while Revelation speaks about the future, these visions of John are less about the future and more about the present. John shares this vision with the Christians in Asian Minor, not just to paint a picture of their future. He wants that vision of the future to bolster them now in their present lives. He wants them to find strength and encouragement in that future vision so that they can face the struggles and persecutions of the present. You will get through this ordeal, John's vision is telling them. And then on the other side of it, Listen to how great it will be. Third, for many Christians, with all, the book of Revelation, with all of this strange imagery, is a scary book and one to run away from. But for those early Christians, this was a comforting book, one to run towards in the midst of suffering and struggle because it depicts God's abiding love and God's justice prevailing. It shows that the forces and powers in the world that can bring such great suffering do not triumph in the end. They do not have the last word. God does. The vision here in chapter 7 was a real gift for those Christians living back in the first century in Asia Minor. But again, how about us now living in Allentown in the present? So do me a favor, close your eyes now. I mean it, close your eyes and picture this. People too numerous to count from all over the globe, all nations, all skin colors, all languages, everyone standing in the presence of God and singing with great joy and gusto. With your eyes still closed, keep looking. See a vision of life overflowing with abundance and grace and joy and love. 
Hunger has ceased as has thirst. The heat of the day no longer beats down on our shoulders as we work. Grief and pain and hopelessness and despair are vanquished as easily as we wipe a tear from a child's eye. Death has been defeated. And so also the many ways we have invented to divide ourselves and even hate. You can open your eyes now. In our personal lives, when we're facing our own struggles, doesn't it help to hear what, it will get, what, the, what that we will get through this great ordeal and what it will be like on the other side? Doesn't that vision help? The gift that this passage in Revelation gives us is not an escape from our reality now. No, it's a vision of God's reality. The reality that will ultimately prevail. We often talk about heaven being up there, which can lead to a sense that God is up there, far removed from our daily lives. Or we can tend to think of heaven as ahead of us, something we only reach at the end of this life and therefore not much relevant to our present. But I want to give you another image for heaven the way that our Celtic Christian ancestors in Scotland and Ireland thought about heaven. Instead of thinking of heaven as up there or in, out in front of us, they thought of heaven as a reality that exists beside us in the present. The curtain is drawn so that we cannot see that other side, much like that dragon fly. But sometimes these Celtic Christians believe the curtain could be as thin as gossamer. They would call those places and times when heaven seemed a little closer and a little more visible, thin places. From that perspective, Revelation 7 is a thin place, giving us at least a momentary and blurry vision of what life looks like in heaven rather than on earth. Worship can be a thin place. Here, as in Revelation 7, all of God's children gather in the presence of God and sing. The distinctions that matter so much out in that world matter nothing here. We are all on equal ground. We are all the same, at least through God's eyes, as beloved children. Here we confess our sins, and more than that, hear the words of forgiveness. Here we believe that God actually speaks to us through the word. And here the bread is broken and the cup is shared. And that links us with people all over the globe who will also be celebrating communion. But it also links us with people across time and reminds us that we are linked to those we love and dearly miss. Here and, now, here and there, now and then, we encounter thin places, places and times when we catch at least a momentary glimpse into not only what is meant to be, but what will be. Perhaps it may be when new life comes into the world, or when grudges are set aside and reconciliation takes place, or when resources are shared rather than hoarded, or where we find strength and wisdom from the example or words of those who are no longer with us. 
as John's vision was for the people who first received this letter. So these thin places are meant to be a gift to us, a gift from God to give us comfort and encouragement in the midst of our suffering and struggles. Yet these thin places are not only intended by God to give us comfort and solace, they are also intended to give us stamina in our discipleship, to help us find a second win as we run the race of life. They are a reminder that nothing that we do in accord with God's will is done in vain. Hunger and thirst for fame or popularity or fortune, we will never be filled, as Jesus tells us in Matthew. But hunger and thirst for righteousness, then we will be satisfied. Be humble, be merciful, be peacemakers. The world tells us often that that's the path of naive fools who will never find success. But the Bible tells us something different, that it is the humble and the merciful and the peacemakers who will ultimately prevail because that is the way of God. Sam Wells, the former chaplain at Duke University and now rector at St. Martin the Fields in London, once talked about a conversation he participated in where a group was meeting with a priest in Northern Ireland. It was the time of the troubles, the time right in the midst of all the violence and counterviolence and vengeance between Catholics and Protestants in that country. For years, this priest had been working for peace and seemingly getting nowhere. So someone asked him, how can you keep doing this work with so little success or progress. He paused and then he told the group, better to try and lose in the cause that will ultimately prevail than to win in a cause that will ultimately fail. The writer of Revelation could not have put it better. Amen. Thank you for listening to First Presbyterian Church of Allentown's Sermon Podcast. We hope you'll join us for worship on Sunday morning. For more information about our congregation and our ministries, please contact the church office. Now go in peace.